Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. If you're Canadian, you've heard the name Bill Barilko. Even if you never saw the man play, you'll know his name thanks to the tragically hip song that mentions him. But who was Bill Barilko? Bill Barilko was born in Timmins, Ontario on March 25, 1927, during the years when it was a boom town. Throughout the Great Depression, the mine helped people keep employed and sheltered away from the troubles of the economic depression that gripped North America. When his father died, though, his mother took over the role of raising Bill and his two siblings. As a young child, like so many Canadian children, Birilko found hockey, but he was not a good skater. As a result, he was put in goal, a position he hated. He then moved to defense and began to excel as a hockey player. In an article published in the Timmins Daily Press, his skill was already evident to those around him. It states, Chuck Jemette, who handles Timmins Air Cadets, made no mistake when he picked Bill Barilko after Holman Plumbers found that they couldn't make the best use of his services. The bespectacled rear guard, a brother of Army's Alex, is a real ice general, something the airmen have lacked so far and adds size to the lineup that has a lot of midgets. At 11 years old, Barilko became a town hero off the ice when he saw a 14-year-old boy break through the ice while riding his bike. Barilko rushed out to save the young man and broke through the ice himself, but they were both able to get to shore. Barilko would begin his professional hockey career playing for the Hollywood Wolves of the PCHL in 1945-46. Playing in 38 games, he registered 9 points in 103 penalty minutes. The following year with the team, he played 47 games and registered 11 points with 69 penalty minutes. In 1946-47, he would be called up by the Toronto Maple Leafs for 18 games, registering 10 points. Never again playing in the minors, Barilko would play the next four seasons with the Leafs, and he would earn All-Star honors in 1947, 1948, and 1949. In the pros, he was well known for being an attractive man, which resulted in getting a lot of fan mail from women from around Canada and the United States. He also gained the nickname of Bashing Bill for his daring lifestyle off the ice and his on-ice personality with the Leafs. Howie Meeker, a teammate of Barilko, said running into Barilko on the ice was like running into an anvil. Barilko was well known for his hard-edge play. In 1947-48, he had 147 penalty minutes. That earned him the title as a bad man on the ice. Sid Abel said of Barilko, You bet I played against Bill. He was tough, hard-nosed, a guy you would always have to deal with. He was an important player. Over the course of those five seasons with the Leafs, Barilko would lift the Stanley Cup four times, from 1947 to 1949 and in 1951. And it was the last Stanley Cup win for Barilko that he would cement his legacy. He would score the overtime winning goal against the Montreal Canadiens goalie Jerry McNeil. 
The goal, scored on April 21, 1951, won the Stanley Cup for the Leafs and made Barilko a hero among Leafs fans across the country. As he left the ice for the last time, he was carried on the shoulders of his teammates. Toronto Maple Leafs capturing the coveted Stanley Cup. Watson comes back fast at center ice, steaming down the left wing, into the corner, shoots and hits the side of the net. Here's right in front of Meeker. Meeker went by the net, centers out in front. McNeil fell right in front again. Watson shoots. Meeker to score! Barocco! Barocco has won the Stanley Cup for the lead. Barocco shoots it into the net while McNeil was left all by himself. A few months later, on August 22, 1951, Barilko left with his dentist, Henry Hudson, to northern Quebec for a fishing trip. His mother begged him not to go as Barilko's father had died on a Friday five years earlier. She did not want her son taking a chance on anything on a Friday. She was so angry with him when he decided to go, she refused to kiss him goodbye. Overall, the trip went well as the men captured about 150 pounds of fish. They then decided to return home, but all the fish would weigh down the plane heavily. To make matters worse, a storm was approaching. On the return trip to Porcupine Lake, the plane disappeared, and the passengers were listed as missing. The last sighting of Barilko was near James Bay, where Ava Williams, the wife of the local missionary, Albert Williams, was standing on a hill overlooking the dock where the plane was for a time. She shouted to Barilko that he must like the country up there, to which he responded, I sure do. In a note written by Faye Barilko, Barilko's mother, she states, I had a premonition something would happen. I was very angry with him when he said he was going fishing by air to the wild bush country. I always make him a lunch, but this time I was so angry with him, I had his sister Anne make his lunch. At 8 a.m. Friday, he came into my bedroom, and for the first time in my life I didn't say goodbye or ask him if he had warm clothing, matches, and a flashlight. I was so angry. I told him I would rather die than see him take this trip. He doesn't know the country. My poor Billy. To begin with, there was a search using six planes, but that would soon increase to a massive search and rescue operation. One of the men taking part in the search for Barilko was Flight Officer Shep Meyer of the 408 Squadron of the Royal Canadian Air Force. He had played for the Toronto Maple Leafs for two games, registering three points. In all, the Royal Canadian Air Force searched an area of 78,000 square kilometers, including flying at 500 feet to see everything they could. In all, the two-month search cost $385,000 or $3.7 million today. Flight Lieutenant G.J. Rustin said, We inspected the area virtually inch by inch over a distance of 60 miles by 40 miles around the Coral Rapids and found nothing whatsoever. Dr. Lou Hudson stated his brother buzzed his house several times on August 27th, but a search of the Timmins area found nothing. James Bay Inuit were asked to search along the shoreline for any traces of the plane or the two men who were fishing there on August 26th before flying back. Barilko's mother flew to Timmins to aid in the search for her son. The flight was the first she ever took, and she was described as being in near hysteria over the worry for her son. She had also not left her home in many years since the death of her husband, the Windsor Star stated. She said that with the first sure sign of sighting her lost son, she will hit the bush to help find him. In early September, a teepee located near Kepikassing was searched. The teepee was near a canoe and gasoline cache, and it was hoped that the men had taken refuge in there. To help raise money for the search effort, Turk Broda, the goalie for the Maple Leafs, stated he would put his National Hockey League All-Star softball team against any other team to raise money for the search. Alex Broco, the brother of Bill, would attend the charity event as well. 
During the surge on September 18, 1951, an RCAF helicopter crashed near Rupert's house along James Bay. Thankfully, all three men in the helicopter escaped uninjured. This was the second crash in 10 days involving the search for Barocco and Hudson. On September 7th, an Air Force Dakota crashed during takeoff, injuring two men. A civic victory banquet that was supposed to be held to honour the Toronto Maple Leafs Stanley Cup Championship on September 28th was cancelled, out of respect for Bill Barocco, who at this point was now believed dead. Con Smythe, owner of the Maple Leafs, said, Little hope is held for the safety of Barocco. With no clues, a reward of $1,000 was offered for information that would lead to the discovery of the two men. The reward was posted by the families of Barocco and Hudson. Soon after, the directors of Maple Leaf Gardens offered a reward of $10,000 for any information. Rumors abounded over what happened to Barilko, with some saying that he smuggled gold out of northern Ontario into the United States, and another said he defected to the Soviet Union to teach Russians how to play hockey. Occasionally, the story of Barilko popped up on the news. On July 21, 1958, Dr. Lou Hudson, brother of Henry Hudson, said that he didn't believe the pieces of yellow fuselage fabric found at a lake near Timon were pieces of the plane his brother flew, he said. He couldn't get there with the gas he was carrying. The wind was in the opposite direction. He couldn't even do it with a heavy tailwind. Eleven years later, on June 6, 1962, a helicopter pilot named Gary Fields discovered the wreckage 100 kilometers north of Cochrane, Ontario. He had seen a glint of something in the trees and later called it in to be investigated. As soon as the people arrived at the crash site, it was clear they had solved the mystery of Bill Barilko. The letters of CFFXT were seen, which were part of the registration number of the missing plane. Both men were still in their seats, strapped in, and were believed to have been killed on impact. They still had the remains of fish in their pontoon. This was a full 56 kilometers off course, and the cause of the crash was listed as pilot inexperience, weather, and too much cargo. The searchers who found the plane said that the fuel tank had apparently exploded in the crash and the plane was partially burned, as were the bodies inside. The plane also created a hole 8 feet wide and 3 feet deep when it crashed. The wings were broke off in the crash. Barilko's mother was staying with her daughters and son-in-law, her daughter said. When Bill disappeared, mother never gave up hope for a moment. Bill's brother Alex stated that finding the body had opened up a lot of old wounds for the family. And tributes for the hockey star came in from across the country. Reverend W.C. Kiddo said, He was exceptionally friendly. He had a smile for everyone but opposing forwards. He always played the game well. The funeral for Barilko was attended by a hundred of Barilko's friends and family, including several hockey players. His pallbearers included two hockey players, Alan Stanley and Harry Watson. As anyone who has heard 50 Mission Cap by the Tragically Hip knows, the Leafs didn't win the cup for 11 years, until Barilko's body was found. His body was found a few weeks after the Leafs won the Stanley Cup in 1962, rather than before the Leafs raised Lord Stanley's mug. His number 5 was retired by the Maple Leafs to honour him, and he's buried at Timmins Memorial Cemetery. I hope you enjoyed that episode, and my look at Bill Barilko. 
Information for this piece comes from Canadian Encyclopedia, HockeyDB.com, Alberta Newspapers Archive, Sportsnet, the Toronto Star. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes. Star, Sioux Lake, Sault Ste. Marie Star, and the Calgary Albertan.